0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: I want to tell you a little bit about the fine folks at ExpressVPN who have helped us out dramatically in terms of running this channel. What do I mean by that? Well, if you've used the NFL's American Game Pass, you've probably found that there's limited access to all 22, and also no live access to games. That's actually very different from the International Game Pass plan, which has both full all 22 footage and full access to games. So, I'm international, going to school, and Tyler and Steven are back in the United States, still finagling with that Game Pass to try to get the footage that they need to do the breakdowns on the channel. So I said, well... What if I get Game Pass internationally and then you guys can use a VPN? Uh, And after that discussion, ExpressVPN actually came and said, hey, we want to partner with you guys. So that's been awesome to deal with them. Uh, They have been great for the show and have helped us pump out these breakdowns that we know you guys have been watching on the channel. And of course, uh, when we talk about ExpressVPN, their uses go far outside of football there's plenty of shows on netflix in america that aren't available elsewhere and vice versa because well maybe that one's on hbo max and maybe that one's on hulu so there's plenty of uses for expressvpn to get regionally based uh, exclusive internet content and so we want to let you go to expressvpn and explore yourself so that's why if you go to expressvpn.com slash guilty again that's expressvpn.com guilty you can get a three-month free trial on us so that's our promise to you and we know that you're going to love expressvpn just as much as we have if you're football fanatics like us so if you want to see that really pretty justin herbert pass that you saw live on cbs that week again but you want to see it in that beautiful all 22 and plenty of different camera angles you can again go to expressvpn.com guilty to start your three-month free trial today
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Stephen. I am your host as always. Joining me today is Mister Nick Kendall, who is the co-host of the Mile High Puddle or Mile High Huddle. Excuse me. Uh, been a long day, um, Nick. Thanks for taking the time to join me. How are you doing, man?
3: Hey, doing pretty well. I uh, just been busy with work today, uh and excited to talk some football, enjoying the bye week uh for the Broncos as well. They really needed it. And uh man, what a game last night with the Chargers and Steelers. Maybe the game one of the games of the year. So uh a lot of fun. And I got to say just right off the bat, you know, I I don't dislike the Chargers. They are AFC West rivals and I enjoyed the Cutler versus Philip Rivers stuff. But man, god, I am so envious of Justin Herbert with that Chargers squad. <laughs> Broncos are in a tough spot, man. We're we're in a we're in a tight spot.
2: Yeah, you know, we uh I got to interview Zach Stevens of DNVR before mm-hmm. the season, and we talked, you know, a lot about you know the quarterback situation up in Denver, and we'll dive into some of that. Um, but yeah, last night was wild. Uh, it was a little too wild for some of us, you know, given the the twenty seven or twenty four to ten lead, I think it was. Um, yeah. But that's that's Chargers football, man. They always make it interesting somehow.
3: Yep. I mean, it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get to the W. If I, you follow in Utah, I follow my Hawkeyes, you know, holding on to the victory with, with dear life sometimes. But, uh, yes. you know, you, you'll take it all the way, especially in the NFL, man. No, no win is easy to get. So getting that and yeah. seeing Char, uh, Justin Herbert look like a gosh darn superhero is uh, got to be making Chargers fans feel pretty good.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely has today. You know, the, the day after victories, you know, are always sometimes a little crazy. People are talking about like, when is Justin Herbert going to be better than Philip Rivers? Like, when are we having that conversation? It's like, okay, let's, uh, let's calm down a little bit. You know, it was a great win, but uh, you know, it's been fun for sure.
3: Yeah, no, he's a great quarterback. I, I mean, hats off also to a Chargers social media team for all the Justin Herbert yeah, stuff that they yeah. do. I mean, he just, they really paint him to be a likable guy. So pretty pretty darn jealous uh, here in Broncos country. I know that we had, you know, 30, 20, 30 years of great quarterback play with yes. Elway and, you know, the very end with Manning, uh, Peyton Manning as well. But uh, man, we're in a, we're in a tight spot. Mahomes, uh, Herbert, and I mean, heck, even Carr, probably not in the same breath as Herbert and Mahomes, but I mean, ugh, uh, we we got to figure it out here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it just goes to show you really how hard it is to find, you know, a franchise quarterback. And, you know, we're very fortunate to have Rivers and then Herbert back to back. But, you know, we weren't too far away from, you know, the Doug Flutie years and the Ryan Leaf years. So I I think it just really shows how difficult it is to find a franchise guy. Uh, But let's talk about Teddy. I think it's been, you know, obviously you had the bye week, the week before the bye, you had that amazing win in Dallas, which I think surprised a lot of people, certainly surprised me. Um, but what's been your assessment of Teddy Bridgewater and how he's played so far this season?
3: Honestly, I know that a lot of people are holding, there's a lot of fans in Broncos country that were all in on Drew Locke. Uh, he went four and one down the stretch his rookie year and up and down last year. And they're really sold on the promise of this young franchise quarterback. They see the Chiefs get one. They see the Chargers get one. They want Drew Locke to be that guy. But unfortunately, Locke doesn't seem to be that guy. Um, so Teddy Bridgewater's is in. He's been pretty much, everything anybody could have realistically hoped for. I mean, if your bar is franchise caliber quarterback, um, you weren't getting that trading a six-round pick and only paying $4.5 million for Teddy Bridgewater. You you should have known that coming into the season. But as far as a game manager protecting the football and playing complimentary football, he's been about as good as anybody could have hoped. And I know that there's there's limitations to his game. Like uh, we saw it with the Dallas game and the Eagles game, both really good, uh, I guess, case studies for what Teddy Bridgewater is. Broncos get the lead early. They can lean on the run game, play action. We're cooking. We're cooking with Greece. Uh, You know, you can really let him lead things there and distribute. But in that Eagles game, Broncos gave up 20 points on five possessions in the first half. I mean, not only are they already given up 20 points in the first half, but they're, they're limited possessions. So the Eagles are scoring almost every single time they touch the ball, more than a field goal per possession, which is insane. Um, and you're playing from behind. When you have to do that with Teddy Bridgewater, you're in trouble. You're playing two backup tackles, you're in trouble. He's not a comeback uh, kind of quarterback. So he's been what you expect, and I think if the defense was as good as people had hoped, this would be a winning football formula, but defense is bottom 10 in DVOA this year. You have injuries across the offensive line. Um, so again, long answer there. Teddy Bridgewater has been what anybody should have expected, uh, but it's not good enough given the the sliders or the parameters of the team around him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think part of that is obviously, you know, their rushing attack, which uh, we're obviously very familiar with Melvin Gordon on this yeah. show. Um, and Javante Williams was somebody that we really, really liked in coming out of the mm-hmm. draft. The running back was not really a big need for the chargers at the time. And we were kind of looking there in the second round, like, Hey man, like Javante Williams might be a, a good pick here. Yeah. Um, what have you made of that rotation? Um, and how specifically Javante has looked as a rookie,
3: oh, man, they're both such good running backs. Um, I know that the Broncos are not playing great football right now being five and five. And there are other running back duos that are out there that you could name being better, but I think Gordon and Williams have to be right there. They're both big body backs, which helps a lot with the Broncos with what they can do as far as uh, alignments and formation, because both of them are competent, uh, taking on a free rusher, um, Javante Williams, especially. I mean, you don't typically see rookie running backs attack the pass protection game like he does. Yeah. Um, it's I don't want to say it's Ezekiel Elliott, like as far as like, you know, he's the gold standard for running back and pass protection, uh, but he's incredible. I mean, he takes after it and Gordon's pretty solid there as well. Uh, they're both big backs as far as the body size. They both can bang between the tackles. Gordon is far more efficient at getting yards every single time. Um, I think that's something that okay. really Broncos country does not appreciate enough about him. He's one of the highest rates as far as uh, not being run stuffed, where Javonta okay. Williams is one of the bottom in the NFL as far as run stuffs. Javonta Williams gets to the second level or the third level. Good luck. Uh, because he is punishing and he is dynamic in the open field in that regard. Not making guys miss, so to speak, but slippery, dragging guys with him. But he just gets stuffed behind the line of scrimmage a lot. Mm. So um, I think they're going to start to see, you're going to start to see a transition to Williams more and more with the Gordon fumbles, with Gordon entering the last year of his contract this year or in, in midst of his last year of his contract. Uh, but they're a pretty darn good uh, one two pairing. If Gordon would like to come back, which who knows? I mean, this is probably going to be his last big contract this offseason. I'd love to have him back. The fumbles are killers. Um, That fumble last, or two weeks ago, I guess now, was Broncos had the momentum. They were coming back, uh, and that fumble, I mean, poof, game over at that point. So he's got to clean that up, but I think they've both been very, very good, and I'm really happy to have taken, I had three running backs on Tier 1 last year with uh, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, taking the last guy available in that Tier 1, good practice happy to have him trading up for a running back eh, but you have him on his rookie contract so uh you know he's going to be a good player for them for a while I'd love to see them lean into that a bit more on offense yeah you know I've obviously been
2: you know seeing Javante featured on uh, the angry run segment that Kyle does for good morning football off you know quite often um and also a little you know I guess fortunately now but unfortunately back in the day very familiar with uh Melvin Gordon's fumble habits and specifically how they happen in the clutch uh Nick Kendall here, analyst for the Mile High Huddle, joining us again. Um, I want to talk about the receiving cast because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the Broncos just made some noise uh, in the last couple of days, extending Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. I want to st- yeah. talk specifically about uh, Sutton and Jerry Judy because they're both coming off injuries right now. And so I think, mm-hmm. you know, having Tim Patrick there is fantastic. My guy, former Utah Ute. Um, but how have – How have the recoveries been for Sutton and Judy? And how have they kind of, you know, reincorporated themselves into the offense these days?
3: Yeah, it's pretty hard because there's this, there's this juxtaposition of what the Broncos have personnel-wise and what they want to be on the field. They are like one of the tops in the NFL as far as time of possession per drive, um, and they really want to take the air out of the ball. You know, old school football, limit possessions, yeah. uh, possess the football. But you have three wide receivers who are all worthy of targets, and you have <laughs> right. two running backs who you want to be the identity of that offense. So, um, with Teddy Bridgewater, you're not seeing him slinging around the yard. Now, let's say the Broncos make a bold move this off for a quarterback. Mm-hmm such as Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, um, you could see that identity change and those other wide receivers be more featured. Uh, but right now, I think they're probably going to lean on uh, the running game still for the rest of the season just with Teddy Bridgewater. It's, it's just playing to your quarterback strengths. As far as the injuries, Sutton, I would say, is probably... 90% right now um, where he wins. And he's still just incredible here. Even, you know, week, I think it was week two this season. Yeah. Against the Jags. Incredible. He can get downfield in a hurry. Uh, he is yeah. a long strider and uh, incredible above the rim kind of player. I mean, s- similar to Mike Williams, I would say in a sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as the ex receiver can win down the field. It, the knee really shows up and he's coming off of a, I think it was ACL and MCL injury week two last year. Um, He, He's you can see it in the short game, the quick game. Uh, he's not as good at creating separation off the slant or anything immediately, but down the okay. field, it's not really impacting him. Uh, so the question is. Can the Broncos be in a position to target vertically and our team's going to allow that. Cause in that Cowboys game, he only had like one reception, but the Cowboys were bracketing him the whole game. So like yeah. Teddy's not going to force him the ball. That's just not who Teddy Bridgewater is. If you want to force targets to a guy who's covered, put in drew drew lock, you know, you might get that then. Uh, but as far as uh Judy, the other one he's coming along slowly, he's the only guy on this Broncos roster. I trust to win the quick game and I trust okay. to win in the middle of the field. Uh, the Broncos lost their first game last week, uh, with Bridgewater on the field, they were undefeated with him on the field before that all. I think they're five and one now in the games in which, uh, excuse me, Judy have played. Um, and Judy makes the most sense for what Bridgewater wants to do for what Shermer wants to do out of 11 personnel. Cause Patrick and Sutton, while they're great X receivers down the field, uh, Patrick can also do some Z work. They're both vertical guys, um, but yeah. Sutton or excuse me, Judy can work the middle of the field, a quick game. And uh, I think that's really imperative for what Shermer wants to do. A guy who can win and grab win on grass and what Bridgewater wants to do, getting rid of the ball. So very good. Judy's ankle uh, high ankle sprain this season, it's going to be an issue for the rest of the season. Um, That's just how that injury is. He's going to need to have time away from football, just totally uh resting it, relaxing it before he's back. So we're not going to see Judy as far as like this incredible ankle breaking route runner for the rest of the season, but he's still pretty dynamic and one of the, you know, better upper tier route runners in the NFL.
2: Yeah. He's, he is so dynamic. You know, I mm-hmm. we saw them last year, obviously. And when he had those struggles with his drops in the one game at the end of the yeah. season, but I mean, you can just see how dynamic and how explosive he is, you know, after the catch too. So um, I I unfortunately did not like that pick very much of uh, Jerry Judy. And, you know, now with the Chargers uh, being banged up in the secondary, it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, Brandon Staley combats that. Want to get your thoughts too. Obviously, uh, Garrett Bowles was placed on the COVID list today, um, but he's also uh, recovering from an injury. You mentioned the backup tackles. Uh Quinn Miners has had to play a little bit. natani yeah. Mootie as well. What's the status of the Broncos offensive line right
3: now? The run blocking is starting to click. Uh the beginning of the season, that this was gonna have to be a team that ran the ball not only effectively but efficiently. Um I think those are important words here when you're talking about the run game in today's NFL and efficiency yeah. is the key. Um and they've really started to click um on that interior over the last Three games or so. Uh, even in that Eagles game, they were running the ball super efficiently and as a per carry basis. Um, so I think that Miners, while he struggles in pass protection, that's going to be the case. I mean, first year rookie coming from Wisconsin, Whitewater, end of the third round. Um, he is not to be cliche a tone setter for the run game. I mean, he looks to physically impose guys, and also if you have like a on the edge or on the boundary, um, kind of that thing where bodies are stacked up against each other and they're trying to push for yards. Quinn Miners is coming behind him and pushing that pile and like hitting guys. Like he, yeah. he that's his mission. Um, so you got to watch out for him in that regard. Cause he will clean somebody's clock. And uh, I think that Lloyd Cushenberry and Dalton Reisner have started to work better. Their their synergy has been better these last few weeks in the inside zone game as well. So, uh, that's one thing I think you want to look for with that Broncos game. They want to be 50, 50 split, which is not the case for most teams in the NFL, but 50 run pass split is probably going to be the game for them. And that's only, that's also going to protect uh, the tackles as well. And that can help. I know that play action, you don't run the ball to set up play action, but you have to have the threat to run the ball, to get teams into single high safety, to get that going. And I know Staley isn't going to want to do that so much. He's more of the two high match quarters kind of guy. Um, But if the Broncos can run the ball effectively, against the chargers because they're not loading up the box. Um, that's, that's what they want to do. And they, they have no issue. um saying you want to play too high. Fine. We trust our defense. Should they, that's a different question um, to keep it close <laughs> and we'll continue to run the football against you efficiently. Um, so, and then if you adjust, we'll adjust. Um, but I don't have any issue with that. As far as the tackles, I do think Bobby Massey will be back this week at right tackle. He's been solid. Um, he's not a difference maker at right tackle, but he's not killing them out there okay. as well, which is, I mean, that's pretty much all you could ask for, for when they signed him and what they got him for. Um, Calvin Anderson's been fine at left tackle. He's the backup for Garrett Bowles uh, undrafted free agent out of Texas. Mike Munchak's done a phenomenal job with him. Um, I think he's definitely more As of your Mike Munchak t- tends to do. <laughs> yeah. That's something that I think people don't appreciate enough. Like this year, like, Oh, we have had my Mike Munchak for three years. Now the offensive line is still mediocre, but like looking at where this offensive line was week one, the injuries they've had to where they're at right now and starting to come together. Um, He's a, he's a hell of a coach. (laughs) Um, so the offensive line is fine. It's not a with Teddy Bridgewater. They probably needed to be a top 10 kind of unit this year to have the Mm -hmm. offense be what they needed to be, to be a playoff plus kind of team. They're not that they're probably middle of the pack, um, overall, but they're young, they're improving. And if you are not putting up points and you're letting the Broncos play balanced football, they will punch you in the mouth. They'll come at you.
2: Yeah. I I think this is really going to be a very fascinating matchup because, uh, You know, a lot of Chargers fans were obviously worried about the Steelers game and Mm -hmm. Najee Harris because Linval Joseph was out, Jerry Tillery, Christian Covington on the COVID list. We don't know about their status. Now Linval Joseph is on the COVID list. So uh, the Chargers started two undrafted free agent rookies, essentially, along the defensive line, and they played very, very well. But the Steelers didn't really get anything going, and then they kind of just abandoned the run as the Steelers tend to do. This yeah. week, that's a different story, as you know, as you're obviously saying, you know, they want to be the Broncos want to be a 50 50 split. So um, Staley has given Derwin James a little bit more freedom in, in terms of giving him some box reps and letting him kind of decide on his own whether or not he wants to play, stay in the too high shell or move down. But this Chargers run defense, they, they played well yesterday, um, but they have not been very good this season.
3: Yeah. And uh, I'm very much a proponent, like running backs get the flash because, you know, fantasy football and toting the rock. Those guys are always going to be faces, but uh, running, running games are only as good as the offensive line. Steelers have a terrible, no good offensive line all the way across. I mean, they're one of the worst units in football, honestly. And uh, the Broncos have a middling unit on the offensive line, but they're pretty good in run blocking. They've been better over the last few weeks. They have something uh, working there with that interior trio. And uh, they're going to want to do that. The only way this game falls, uh, gets out of hand for the Broncos is if you make them have to play keep up. So putting pressure on the Broncos quickly with points out of the gate, which Justin Herbert and this offense can do, as long as Joe Lombardi's, you know, not throwing a Drew Brees type of offense out there, um, then the Broncos can get away from that. But if it's close, they are not going to, they're not going to blink. They'll continue to run the football. They'll almost be, you know, not to bring it back to my Hawkeyes, but like Kirk Ferentz, almost stubborn with the run game to a fault. I think that's what they'll do yeah. this week against the Chargers as well.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know why I just barely realized this, but Derek Foster, obviously former Iowa running backs coach, is the Chargers running backs coach. So yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of off topic there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> just thought of it. Um, you mentioned the struggling defense. Um, obviously, the trade of Vaughn Miller, I'm sure, has contributed yeah. to that. Um, Bradley Chubb's injury also yeah. there. Um, can you update us on Bradley's recovery? I know he had season-ending surgery. I think I saw earlier today mm-hmm. that he would be practicing for the first time this week. Um, yeah. Have you heard much on that regard? And uh, update us on the edge rushers that are playing and have been playing for this team.
3: Yeah, uh, Bradley Chubb. He had bone spur surgery in one ankle, I believe. He had surgery in one ankle this off season, um, but then he had bone spurs in his other ankle. Um, so he yeah. tried to go week two, and it was too painful. So he uh, no. was took taken out and had surgery. He's practicing again. He was taken off the IR, um, which is a good sign but there's going to be questions about conditioning and everything like that. So I would be pretty surprised if he's active in this chargers game, uh, all things considered, we definitely, the Broncos definitely need him back. Um, Obviously they traded Von Miller, uh, but Um, The Broncos backups at edge rushing at the edge rushing spot is I mean, they're they're backups. They are backups. Malik Reed is probably the first guy you you can think of off there. Has a lot of sacks. A lot of those sacks are coverage sacks kind of thing. Um, So they're not he's not really winning his pass rush rush reps, so to speak. And he is a complete liability in the run game. I mean, if you go back and watch the Eagles, you go back and watch the Browns games versus the Broncos. No doubt in my mind, the lead up to those games, the offensive coaches are like circling number fifty nine. We're going at this guy in the run game because he is getting abused. And I mean, Lane Johnson, it looked like one of a couple of those plays. It looked like a dirty dancing, where like You lift the guy above your head and like spin him around. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Malik Reed was just getting tattooed in the run game. I feel bad for him because that's like not his spot. I think ideally he'd be a four, three, Sam that can walk down to the edge rushing spot on obvious rushdowns, but where the Broncos are right now being injured wise, uh, he's having to play those reps. They have Steven, uh, Steven, Steven weatherly who they traded a seventh round pick for and got like a later seventh round pick back. So just, you know, somebody to give you a body there. Sure. He's okay in the run game, not really dynamic, but he's got good length, a uh, former Vanderbilt edge rusher. And uh, the big guy that's, I'm uh, pretty excited about coming forward is Jonathan Cooper. Broncos mm-hmm. took him in the seventh round this last year. Um, he is pretty darn good for a seventh round pick. He fell in the draft out of Ohio state because he had a heart condition um, that some people, you know, no doubt some teams had him off his board. He's been pretty good. I don't know if he's a, long-term starter at the edge rushing kind of position, but okay. uh, he's probably, he, he looks like a guy who can develop into a quality guy off the bench uh, at worst, maybe even a, qual- uh, a solid backup. If you can have a dynamic guy across from him. So um without Bradley Chubb, the edge rushers are pretty weak. It's not the weakest spot on the defense. It's probably the off ball linebackers. Uh, Broncos yeah. have lost three of their top four off ball linebackers this season, two of them to pictorial injuries, which is just crazy. The same peck <sighs> even um and Josie Jewel and Alexander Johnson. Yeah, it sucks. I this, uh It's bad. And then uh, Baron Browning, his rookie year, probably shouldn't even be out there right now, all things considered, but he's having, uh, he's forced out there. Very good athlete, amazing athlete, actually, but still kind of learning the game. Um, And he's been having some back issues, which have been flaring up. So he might not even play. Uh, Micah Kaiser, who the Broncos signed, uh, is coming off of a wrist injury. He might not be able to play. Um, It's it's just forever at the linebacking position. It's really bad uh, down there. So if you can attack the Broncos over the middle of the field and their linebackers, that's, I mean, that's easy cheese. That's that's the way to do it. Yeah, I, I have to say, you know, I've been looking at all these matchups and stuff like that that
2: the Chargers had all season, and it's like every single week, I'm like, oh, Austin Eckler against so and so linebacker. Okay, cool. That's going to be fun yeah. to watch. You know, obviously Devin Bush yeah. got that treatment last night, um, so I'm glad that you brought that up for our sake. I want to talk to you about the secondary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Broncos surprised a lot of people when they chose Patrick Sertan instead of a quarterback. Um, then they signed Kyle Fuller mm-hmm. as well. How has the secondary been looking lately? I know a lot of people expected it to be one of the better secondaries in the league.
3: Yeah, the secondary has been okay. Uh, I think okay is the biggest one here. Um, Kyle Fuller has been a total dud of a signing. Now, hats off to him. He was taken off the field because he was struggling so much, and they didn't even play him while he was healthy, like a, health, a healthy scratch for the 29-year-old Kyle Fuller first-round pick getting paid $12 million a year or something, one-year contract. But uh, he's been a massive bust of a signing. Um, but now he's the nickel because Broncos lost one of their best nickel players in football in Bryce Callahan to an I think it's an ankle injury as well. So dropping like flies. I know that's I shouldn't be complaining about that on a Chargers podcast, but here we are. <laughs> hey, knock uh, on wood,
2: man. We're actually very healthy this year. It, it's not about yeah. a typical injury year for that regard. The the secondary right now is banged up, like I said, but yeah. um, we only have had, I think, two season ending injuries right now, which is, again, knock on wood, but uh, pretty fantastic yeah. for us.
3: About time. That's all I'll say. I know it resets (laughs) every year. Not to to have a gambler's fallacy, but uh, about time. Uh, Bronco's secondary has been banged up as well uh, at cornerback. Uh, I will say I was definitely in the pro-take-Justin-Fields camp if he's there at nine, Um, which, man, that leads to a whole different conversation (laughs) dynamic there. Um, But Patrick Sertan, I mean, you don't sink your ship by the guys that you don't take. You sink by taking the wrong guy or taking guys that can't play. Patrick Sertan can play. Okay. Man, Patrick Sertan can play. Yeah. Um, I am really curious to see if Vic Fangio is out the door. What they do scheme wise with Sertan, because I think actually Sertan is in a scheme that doesn't fit what he does best. His press man coverage is phenomenal, like it, mm-hmm. it, off the charts good. Um, and Fangio historically has been more of an off. I mean, again, you Brandon Staley's defense off yeah. zone match quarters yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Um, but Sertan has been really, really good. He's been targeted at a pretty high clip as well, which is surprising. You'd hope that he starts to come down with a few of those targets a little bit more than he has, but his ball production has been very good, and uh, he's not been giving up a lot of big plays. I think his uh, tackling in the open field could be a little bit better. Sometimes he's a little bit of a, a plus one as far as the physicality in the open field, um, but you know he's he, you didn't draft him to tackle, right? You drafted him to cover, so <laughs> right. he's been really good. Um, I'm, I'm shocked. Like last year, especially if we try to compare these like historically year to year. Patch Sertan laps Jeffrey Akuda. He laps yeah. uh, uh, CJ Henderson a couple years ago as well. And to be a rookie this good out of the gate. And I think he's only 21 or 22 years old. Like he's, he's the real deal. He is so good. Yeah. Um, the other guy you want, I want to talk about is uh, Darby. He was actually the biggest, the big, biggest free, agent bronco, the big yeah. free agent signing. He's been solid. Uh, he's been good. Um, definitely not a cornerback one, but that's not, what he has to be with Patrick Sertan. The biggest issue is that the Broncos wanted to have three good cornerbacks across. They look like they might have something going there, but once Bryce Callahan went down, Kyle Fuller is cooked. I mean, if you, if you can isolate the linebackers or Kyle Fuller in a man matchup, that's where the ball's going. Cause they, they just can't keep up. Yeah. That's
2: uh that's wild. I, I do have to say, you know, this rookie cornerback class is looking fantastic. You know, Greg News is making mm-hmm. a ton of plays. Sertan, yeah. Asante Sammy Jr. Eric Stokes yeah. has looked really good. JC Horn looked good before he went injured. So like you said, typically we see corner rookie cornerbacks come out the gate and they struggle, have some ups and ups and downs. And I'm sure that's been happening, you know, every now and then, but these five rookie corners look to be off to a great start so far.
3: Yeah, no certain. I mean, he's, he's a real deal, uh super young and he's, Scheme diverse, which is, I think, really important if you are drafting for a team where you don't know what the quarter head coach is going to be next year. You don't want to take somebody who's so niche to one scheme and then you completely blow it up. I think Sertan's going to be fine no matter what. He's so young. And uh, while he's not a quarterback, you know, having a cornerback in the what is becoming quickly the Big 12 version of NFL football in the (laughs) AFC West with all these wide receivers and quarterbacks, you need to have multiple guys there and to have Sertan locked down probably for the next decade is – a big get for the Broncos doesn't solve the biggest question, but he can at least be part of the solution.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's spot on there.
3: Um, we'll get you
2: out of here on this. I think, you know, we talk on our show, how crazy the AFC has been. Um, I yeah. hope we get some clarity in the coming weeks as these teams start to really start playing each other. Um, mm-hmm. But where do you think the Broncos stand right now in terms of potentially challenging for a playoff spot mm-hmm. or potentially, you know, shifting towards a youth movement where yeah. are you at with the Broncos uh, short
3: term future right now? Broncos' short-term future, I think, is you're, they're going to play every game tough and they're going to try to win these games. I don't think this is a team that is destined for any sort of tanking. I know they traded Von Miller, but there's still talent on this team yeah. and young talent that they want to get the reps and like, have an idea of like playing meaningful football in December, which is something this team hasn't done since 2016, I mean, honestly. Uh, so that they're going to be shooting for that. It's going to be pretty tough down the stretch. Um, five of seven games in the AFC West. Uh, and the Broncos, unfortunately for them, they set themselves up where their tiebreakers are not going to be good. They've most of their losses have been AFC and most of their wins have been NFC. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the first tiebreaker, if it's not head to head, it's the AFC record. And the Broncos, I think are, I think only two wins versus the AFC versus four losses in the AFC so far. Obviously they can rectify that down the stretch here with most of their games being AFC uh, besides the lions. Thank you very much for that one. Um, (laughs) But uh, that's, uh, it's going to be tough for them um, for sure. And, And unless this defense really turns a switch here, um, and Bs, it becomes a top 10 level defense, which everybody hoped they would be hard to be with the injuries at linebacker. I get it, but it's what you hope you'd be. That can, that can win games, especially in the cold weather stuff, running game, uh, protecting the football and, you know, taking your calculated shots and playing good defense. That, that still wins in the NFL, but that's probably not what's going to happen here. This is a team. I mean, you can read between the lines. Uh, they're signing these two wide receivers to actually pretty good contracts. They're trying to set themselves up to be super aggressive this off season for a Russell Wilson, for an Aaron Rodgers, maybe for a Kirk cousins slash uh, Matt Ryan as well. Um, just to really go after the veteran at the quarterback position. Cause yeah. I mean, make no mistake about it. These quarterbacks have more power than they've ever had before. And yep. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's not like the LeBron James era of player enlightenment because <laughs> it still takes a team versus, you know, one single player in the NBA, but we're coming to that quickly. So uh, Broncos have set themselves up nicely personnel-wise to build a nest for whatever quarterback comes in. If they can't get the guy, they'll probably go into the draft this year. Makes me very skeptical about this 2022 class. I don't even want to get into that. But uh, they're going to be tough down the stretch. I think they'll probably end up with eight wins. I think eight wins is probably where they end up. Middle of the pack draft pick. But, you know, that's uh, I guess that's progress towards what they've been, (laughs) and they're a very young team. So uh, I feel feel good about it. Maybe a higher draft pick would have been nicer if you're going to miss the playoffs. But five picks in the top 100 second most cap space in the NFL this off season as well, at least before the Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton signings and not that many actual massive holes. It just comes down to the quarterback. So they're in a good spot, meaningful football down the stretch. Pretty much anybody with any realistic expectations could ask
0: for.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm more in line with the thought of you want your team to be playing meaningful football in December, right? Like when yeah. the Chargers went through that last year. Of course they had that awful loss of the Patriots. Everybody's like, okay, well like take the rest of the season. It's like, no, no, no. Justin Herbert needs to play meaningful football games. He needs to learn how to win. So uh, I'm of that belief as well. Uh, Nick, this has been great, man. I I kept you longer than I said I would. But where can uh, Chargers fans find you this week if they want some good Broncos intel?
3: Yeah, I do. Gosh darn. I do like five shows a week um, covering the Broncos. I guess typically it's five. This week we took a Monday off. But I do a morning show on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Mondays normally at 6.30 6.30 Pacific time. So up bright for the morning drive, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I do a show Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Mountain time and Saturday evening at 6 p.m. Mountain time as well. So You can find me on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH. I'm probably more active on there than I should be. I can't help it, man. I'm addicted. Twitter's too fun. And uh, you can also find me at mile high idle, writing, doing live streams, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Hey, man, I'm right there with you. I send way too many tweets each day, but uh, it's just, it's that black hole, man. It sucks you in each day and and you just get roped in every single day it's been fun
3: yeah i th- thank god there was a study recently that said people who use twitter are the most informed of like what social <laughs> media app they use because yeah. i'm just leaning on that one like that's yeah. all i ha- that's my that's a core tenant of my being right now so no yeah thank you so much for having me on it's always fun to talk football um hopefully it'll be a good game hopefully both these teams can be uh, avoid the injury bug as well i yeah. mean chargers versus broncos have some some good games uh, in our history, no doubt. I, I got to ask you, if, if it's your show, but um, how do you feel about the AFC ranking of these teams as far as hatred goes? Because like the Chargers for me, okay. I have a hard time hating the Chargers. And maybe that's because you guys have less boisterous fans compared mm-hmm. to some of those other teams. Um, but, and also maybe a little bit of sorrow. I feel bad for the San Diego fans that were diehard and then losing sure. the team. And Phillip Rivers, I always say this, you know, everybody in Broncos country, a lot of people really hate Philip Rivers. But as he <laughs> aged, like it was like I was Wes Mantuth and he was Ron Burgundy. It's like I down to my very essence, I hate you. God damn it, I respect you. So yes, I, I yes. love Philip Rivers. I really yeah, th-
2: those those trash talking episodes between Rivers and Cutler were yeah. fantastic back in the day. Um, yeah. I, I know for me personally, like I've I've never had a hatred towards the Chiefs. Like they weren't very good when I was growing up. And then they had got Andy Reid and Alex Smith, and there those are two men that I just I really respect and I really like, you know, Alex Smith is a Utah legend and he really yeah. just, you know, really stand up guy. Mm-hmm. Um, So I less I like them less now, right, because they've been good for so long. Yeah. Um, But I've never really had like a hatred towards them. I've never really hated the Broncos either, although growing up in Utah, uh, it was it, a lot of Broncos fans. So that one was a little bit more tough, but. The Raiders have always been the team that I've hated the most. Like, yeah. I will always have a hatred for the Raiders. Yeah. Um, I love seeing them lose more so than any other team in in professional football. So uh, for me, you know, it's Raiders 1, Broncos 2, Chiefs 3 uh, in terms of uh, hatred.
3: That's fair. I, I feel like we need to gang up on the Chiefs, though, man. It's signing these terrible people. <laughs> I know. You know, Tyree Kill, Skirt, and everything. It's just like, how many bad character people can you get away with until Karma catches up? Come on. Come on. So, uh, well, yeah, thanks for having me on a lot of fun to talk football and, uh, hopefully the Broncos play a good game. I'm I'm hoping that, uh, Justin Herbert doesn't turn into God mode. Like we saw (laughs) last week, it'll
2: be a good game, man. The chargers for whatever reason, always have some weird stuff happening in in mile high. Um, it's been, you know, a tough place for them to get a victory. And, um, obviously Herbert didn't get to play in mile high with fans last year. So, yeah, or I think it might've been limited fans. Well,
3: um, this game is in Denver. Um, I think there is 8,000 tickets available on the open market. So uh, oh, take wow. that as you will. Uh, Broncos fans not feeling very excited about this team right now. <laughs> so if it charges fans in Denver looking for a cheap ticket, it might you might be able to get one in Denver.
2: Fair enough. I know that there's uh, a few people on Twitter that have been asking about that. So good information there. Uh, yeah. Nick, this has been great, man. Can't thank you enough for joining us and best of luck down the
3: road. Yeah, thank you very much. Have a good one. Go Broncos.